Here we are again. On the stairs. Just on the stairs. Nice area. Change of scenery. It's nice. It's a bit sunny. Um, I want to eat more Pringles now, but <laughs> then you'll get mad at me. Oh, we don't want that. <clears throat> what are we going to talk about? I go blank as soon as I hit record, but <laughs> we were just talking about all sorts of training shit, and then blank. So, I do remember that we wanted to talk about, um... Oh, I would realise that we wanted to talk about, um, the competition coming up. What? Oh yeah, competition. Preparing for powerlifting, so we'll probably chat to Murray later about that, about his perspective. Um... Are we going to change the group programme, um, to, like, in the next couple of weeks, to, like, to more heavy singles? No, we're no. not. Okay. Deliberately. So... That was something that uh, I think Karen asked me. Now we've got competition coming up. Do we need to change the program or the way we train in order to prepare for it? And um, <clears throat> I said no, because one, not everyone's doing the competition, so you wouldn't change the whole group program. Anyway. That's very true. But two, um, it's your first competition. You're not going there to hit big numbers. You're going there to hit nine out of nine. Six out of six weightlifting, nine out of nine powerlifting. So the numbers should be something you can do any day in the gym anyway. So there's no need to change the training. Just carry if you know if you know how to squat, you know how to bench, you know how to deadlift, then that's about all you need. And then all we need to do is then teach people about the rules of the competition, because it's slightly different, you don't just go in and do things, you've got to follow the rules. And um, yeah. So what we'll do today is we'll talk about powerlifting rules and the things to watch out for. So in the federation that we're competing in, there's going to be a monolift, right? So you don't walk out a monolift, you just stand up. So that's one difference to watch out for, right? So you can do a walkout in a monolift if you ask them for it, they'll do it for you. But since it's there, you might as well just use it because it's nice not having to walk stuff out. Um, Conserve a little bit more energy. Yeah, if you compete in a different federation like the IPF or the SAPF, it's a different set of rules. You'll have to walk out the squat. So that if that if you if that's the way you compete, you should train that way. So ideally, in the future, I'd like to get some hooks, some mono hooks for all the racks made, so that people can train if they're going to compete in a monolift. Mono hook is not quite the same, but it's the closest approximation without buying a. 200 gram monolift or concrete cross. Is it similar to the swinging J-hooks or is it just like a looper strap? The swinging hooks, that's the mono hooks, right? So the difference between the two is with the swinging hooks, they're designed for you to self-unrack. So you have to arch a bit more. So you start with your torso a bit more inclined. Then you swing and you stand up and then the hooks swing out the way. You grab. <coughs> Whereas in a monolift, you don't do that because what you do is it's designed to be manually moved out of the way by someone else. So there you're actually going to get under the bar and you're going to set yourself more upright and you're just going to stand it up like you would in a J-hook. But you're going to make sure that your stance is in place before you do that because you stand up, someone moves the hooks out of the way, you do a squat and then the hooks are going to manually be brought back in when you stand up at the top. I nearly killed you with a monolift left once. Yes. You did, yeah. <laughs> so, you, so there's there's an element of adjusting to how to do the monolift, but to be honest, it's not too complicated for the lifter to adapt to, as long as they you know know to set their stance right. 
So that's the first thing you might come across in terms of like, oh, I haven't come across this before in training. Um, then the, there's, there's referees and judges and stuff and you have to follow commands. So for the squat, they're gonna, you're going to unrack it. Then they're going to tell you to start squatting. They'll, say, they'll either say start or squat, then you do the movement. And then they might say rack it, and then you rack it. But with the hooks, they bring it back in. You basically you know once it's in, then they'll say rack it more as, oh, it's there now, you can put it down. Tell us a little bit about the, um, the, the scoring system and the red lighting. Like why, what constitutes as a no lift and how do people get red lighted? In, in the squat, I mean, okay, so we'll go, we'll go through these one by one. But in the squat, the main things to look out for is depth. depth. So you have to squat below parallel. That means the hip is below the knee. The, hip's below the, the hip joint is below the knee joint. Now, the thing about that I've seen the experience from these judges is they seem to, when there's a borderline decision, like the depth is around parallel, maybe slightly under, they don't tend, round here, so this is why I found around here, they don't tend to give the lifter the benefit of the doubt. They're more likely to red light for you and insist on what I would say is excessive depth here. That's just what I've seen uh, and experienced when I was competing. So, it, knowing that's the case, as you're approaching the competition, you want to make sure that you're burying your squats a good inch below parallel each okay. time to make sure. Yeah, so if you're the kind of person who has issues with depth, make sure that the weights you're using in the gym, every single thing is way below parallel and that you know you can comfortably sink. Yeah? When you get a bit more experience, you can start to go closer to the border and push boundaries there. But if the judging is going to be like that, then you kind of have to play to a good competition. Um, I got red lighted in my first attempt last year and I showed that to my coach and you could see the depth from the front, but they weren't having it. So what can you do? Right? Just a shitty ref. On the day, there's no point arguing with the judges. You get these, these people that do that. You know, <laughs> Powerlifting it, soccer moms. <laughs> <laughs> or even the athletes themselves, that's sheep behaviour. You go in, you respect for a decision, whatever it is. I, I looked at it, I was like, okay, don't agree with it, just give me the same weight again, you know? And then I did it again, and then I got it. And, yeah, okay. So whether you agree or not on the day, there's nothing you can argue. There's no f fucking video replay or nothing. You can <laughs> <laughs> Epic yeah. replay. Take, take this to the panel, you know? There's none of that. <laughs> there's no panel, it's like yeah. three In guys. weightlifting, there is a panel at a high-level competition. That's there's quite a cool. set, There's a three referees two side judges and one centre judge. And then um, there's a panel of four, lifts can get overturned. That's really cool. So, yeah, depending on if it's a very, because there's lots of different other technicalities. I like the element of quality control. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you've got video technology now, so you can actually go and, you know, live football, the goal line technologies kind of stuff. You can actually go and mm. challenge it. And, well, sometimes you don't even challenge it, it gets overturned. Sometimes you get three reds in a competition and then the panel will, be, will look at the video and be like, hang on a minute, that's actually okay, and can overturn the breaths. Oh wow, okay, that's so it's, cool. it's not it's not always to the lifters, against the lifter in that sense. So that's the squat, it's not too complicated, you know, you just, the only other way you would get red lighted is really in the squat, is if you don't make depth, is if you were to jump start commands, just listen for the start command, which is easier said than done if you're not used to listening to start command, four start commands, you know, just, or um, 
if you've got heavy weight on your back. But again, first competition, the weight's not going to be so heavy that you. It's more of like training for the next one. Yeah. And also, all these things I'm talking about now, the the, the, the officials and that, they're very lovely people. They're going to go through this with you on the day. They're going to make sure you understand. You know, they, they take 20 minutes, 30 minutes out before you start to make sure everyone's on the same page. So that's, that's one aspect we'll come on to a bit later about people who are nervous. You know, they take away a lot of the ambiguity. Being there and watching like the, the guys and the judges look really intimidating because of their big muscles well, and all of that. Some of them are big guys, they lifted themselves, yeah. yeah. And, but they're the sweetest human beings you'll chat to. Yeah, yeah they're super lovely. And, and the community is really nice. Like yeah. you expect powerlifters to be these like very aggressive type people, but they're yeah, super chilled they're and chilled, yeah. they're awesome people. So we'll get, we'll get on to the, the crowd later because that's a factor that you need to you go to the first competition as like a, as I've said before, it's like a fact-finding mission. You go in there to learn where the pitfalls are, so you know for the next time when you actually try. <coughs> Excuse me. So we'll go, we'll go on to that. Let me just make sure my battery's still good on this thing because still push. Yeah. Yeah, still good, still working. <coughs> so we'll go. On, we'll just go through the technicalities on the bench. The bench is the one where you're going to have the most issues there's more commands there shouldn't really be commands it's similar to a pause bench it's a pause bench, yeah. so you're gonna to have to pause right so the rules are <clears throat> the first thing is you can you can choose who you have to give your hand off <clears throat> sorry i've got a frog in my throat so last time i was there i chose murray murray because I'm, I'm used to murray's hand off we train together all the time yeah exactly so if you have someone you trust there's guys there and they're experienced they'll do for you but if you have someone with you like I'll be platform coach on the day then I'll be able to do that for you so that's good um, so with the bench the main thing they're looking for the referees is downward movement so what I mean by that is there, there's there's commands so you're gonna unrack it then they'll say they'll wait for the bar to be motionless and the, the guys away and they'll say start then you'll start the rep so the bars now going down when it gets to the chest, you have to pause motionless, and as soon as they see it's motionless, they'll say, press. Then you start pushing it back up. Then when you get to the top, they'll say, rack it. Yeah, so you have to get to the top, the elbow's locked out motionless. Start, press, rack. Those are the three commands on the bench. Um, but where they, what, the main thing that they're looking for, there's two things. One is asymmetry. You have to press the thing fairly symmetrically. And I've not seen them be too strict on that. So that's not too bad. Okay. But the other thing you want to look out for is downward movement on the way up. So if you go down to the chest and you pause and then you sink it and then you come back up, they're going to red light. If you go down to the chest, pause, come back up, and at any point on that way back up, you go down and up again, they're going to red light. It's okay to stick and grind through the sticking point, but if you change direction back downwards, red line. That's the main way you're going to miss a bench. Okay. <clears throat> Aside from just getting stapled. Or missing the command. Yeah, jump in the command, downward travel backwards. So make sure that you um, watch out for that specifically. Um, the deadlift. Other than that, deadlift. I mean, it's hard to fuck up. They'll say start, you walk over there, you pick it up. The main things to watch out for there are hitching, Hitching? Which is hitching means you're going to scoot your knees forward and then the bar is going to rest on the leg. So you get people that stick uh, when you're starting, like me, like most people, they, they, it doesn't <clears throat> doesn't come off the floor. But you get people that can pick anything up off the floor 
and then they stick halfway up or closer to lock out. They can't physically lock it out. I don't understand these people, but it's very common. It happens. Right? So it happens. So it's, it's a thing you need to be aware of. That's what. So again, downward travel. If your bar comes up, goes down a bit. And the thing about hitching is you tend to see a bit of downward travel. So that's how you're going to get real bad. So you're not allowed to pause and rest it on your leg. That's hitching. Also, you'll generally see a bit of downward movement with that. You'll get a red light there. Um, the other thing will be failure to lock out of the top. So you just got to make sure you stand upright. You don't have to lean back. A lot of people over lean back to try and emphasize it. That's going to mess your back up. Just stand up very hard and stand up very straight. And okay. your buttocks and keep your abs tight. And the style of deadlift thing, so say if I was a sumo puller, could I pull sumo to get yes. the weight up? So you do get federations where they specify which stance you need to use, but this isn't one of them. You can pull sumo or you can pull conventional. Mid stance? If that's... Middle sumo, yeah, it's all the same. All the same, yeah. Anything like a narrow sumo, sumo, same. same. Um, you can use hook grip, you can use mixed grip, you can use double overhand. I wouldn't do that if I were you. So one of the things about the grip is, if you find the bars coming out of your hand, that can be construed as downward travel, but, so watch out for your grip on that, so that's one thing to be aware of. If, say, if you, re you get red light and you're not sure why, it, and you found the bars coming out of your hand, it might be that. But they're also, this particular federation, they use a deadlift bar, which is, you know, it's 25 millimeters as opposed to the standard 29 for our so you're generally going to find you're going to have a good day pulling on that bar. It's a nice bar. It's a deadlift. There's not much else to it. Um, do you have to pause on the top for a certain amount of seconds? I, you do have to wait for the down signal. Yeah. So as soon as it's locked out, they don't want to see you just hang about there. As soon as they see the criteria is met, they'll give you the down. All right, cool. Because I remember that James guy, uh, he got red-lighted <laughs> on the deadlift because he picked it up and then he just put it straight down without waiting for the command. Yeah. So those guys, generally they're pretty good on that. Again, just listen to the down command and put it down. And when you put it down, don't drop it from the top. That's the other thing. That's how, I think that's how he got red-lighted. Just keep your hands on it. Just travel it past the knee and then do whatever. But yeah, just, cool. If you're not sure, just keep your hands on it as it goes down. Just like we do in training. Yeah. Uh, what else? You don't have to go down slowly or anything. Just, just got to, you've got to have your hands on it as it goes past the knee. It's for safety. So that's the actual nuts and bolts of the competing, the main technical things to watch out for. That's awesome. Um, you have to wear a leotard, ideally. I th I'm not sure if they'll let people slide without a leotard. I don't know. So that's worth checking. But, you know, if you're planning on competing, you should have a leotard. Just get one. Right? Um, Crowd is a factor a lot. So what, what things people are nervous about when they're doing their first competition? The first thing is they're nervous about they don't know what's going to happen. So you, we're, we're covering up what to expect right now from a technical standpoint. Because a lot of people are afraid of going there and looking stupid. Um, and all these fears that start, they start because they've never been there before. Once they go there and they see it, they're like, oh, this ain't so bad. It's this fine. is pretty easy. But that leap from zero to one is quite big in people's minds because they, they have fears of looking stupid, fears of being inadequate, fears of failing, fears of being laughed. It doesn't, it, it's all, once you get there, oh, everyone's super chill, everyone's super nice, and everyone wants to see you do the lifts. There's no one going there saying, oh, fuck this person, I hope you miss. Community is so friendly, like every, like when I was sitting and watching with Murray, um, I was chatting with some of the other guys, and when you were lifting, we were all cheering you on, like yeah, complete strangers is. cheering you on, yeah. making sure, like, oh, I want you to do this lift. 
they'll gas you up for it. They'll chat to you before. And if you forget chalk, there was no chalk yeah, the last they time. Yeah, each other in the back room. Yeah, you know. gave us chalk. So a lot of people, you know, they're, 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 they're not sure. They feel like the crowd might be hostile. But it's in, it's in, you know, it's in your mind. You have to decide, is this friendly or is this hostile as an environment? And all the signs when you get there point to people being very friendly. Um, the people that you might see get really hyped up and lifting and aggressive, they're nervous. That's why they're being like that. They're nervous for their own lifts. Um, there's nothing to do with you. They're not concerned about you. The lifters aren't concerned about your lifts. But they're also very helpful in the back room and they're also very helpful. They, they do cheer you on. Um, the crowd didn't come there to watch you fail lifts. Right? No, they came to they watch came there, heavy weights being They came there, that you make the lift. Even if you have a competitor and it's ultra competitive, right? What's the fun if you go there and your competitor just, just fucking dies and misses it? There's, there's no competition, right? there's, there's, no, there's no fun. So everyone wants to see everyone make all the lifts, because that's fun. So everyone's there, they want to see that, they support. Um, but even the judges and the referees, they all want to make sure, they, they, they do everything in your power to make sure that you succeed. Um, well, I was trying to think. Went over the lifts, we went over the, the, the actual crowd, the crowd. The referees, they all want to help you. Um, I'm trying to think what other reasons. So a lot of people, uh, so there's the fear of, you know, being in the spotlight, being in the crowd, but it's, you know, on a, on a rational level, I can say all these reasons to blue in the face, but the reality is if you're too scared to fucking go out there and do a squat or a deadlift, like, then don't bother. Like, it's not... <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you know, people that are so fearful that they won't put themselves out there. So I don't know, it's, you know, everyone can do their own thing. It's an emotional decision, right, if you want to do The reason I love competing is because it gives your training a focus and a lens. And it gives you, like, your training is better for it. And you do more than you otherwise wouldn't if you were just coasting along. So even though I don't really compete seriously anymore, if I don't have a goal, a target, you know, I set the target, say, they're all arbitrary, right? Everything's arbitrary, but you set yourself a target, you try and get it. If you don't get it, oh well. Um, the other thing, you know, people have fears of, is fears of missing a weight, right? But you go in there with a plan. You go in there, these are the lifts I'm going to attempt, the map amount of advance, and if you miss one, you take it again. And if you miss it three times, you go to the pub. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed, yeah. It's just an excuse for drinking, really, to be honest, competition for me. Um, just go to the pub afterwards, it's great. It's a nice day out, it's a long day out. A Spectators people... bring snacks because they don't really have a, like a big availability yeah, on that. Yeah, bring food. You always, you know, bring food, bring a bottle of water. Um, Multiple. <laughs> usually there's toilet roll. Bring toilet roll, maybe. Um, I, I'm always over prepared, right? Because I've seen, I've been to venues where there's nothing, but I think this is fine. Uh, I would say also. And we will have chalk on site, chalk and spare bulbs on yeah. site just in case. Another thing, just on the whole missing lift stuff, is like, it's not that important. It's not that important if you miss. You still get a total at the end of the day. Well, you, if you miss three of one lift, you get zero. Oh, okay, you I didn't to know that. Total. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. But even if you get a zero, so what? Like the world doesn't end. It's a learning curve. The world don't end and um, 
you know, you still get to carry on training. And no one gives We're not going to make fun of you. <laughs> no, We're no. We're going to be proud of you for putting, for putting yourself out there. Yeah, that's there. the thing, right? Yeah. So someone who goes up there and misses all three lifts, went up there and did it, yeah. and tried, and they can try again. There's nothing, those are two separate things, two separate events. And also, like, I really like that specific training that you mentioned because like the, it's a big attitude shift as well like when yeah. you have something you're preparing for you're more focused and you can get more done and like you just feel like a lot better about yourself like when I didn't have anything to train for I was just training for the sake of training which is fun nothing wrong yeah. with that it made my life better but when I started training for something it gave me, okay, I need to go in here, I need to get this done. And it gave, it outlined my goals and it painted more of a clear picture for me. There's a bit more stakes, right? And if there's some stakes, then it gives more meaning to it. If there's no stakes, then there's no fun, right? I know, I mean, my daughter's very young, right? She's nearly six, she'll be six next month. And she tried to say she wants all the toys in the world. And I'm like, what's the fun if you have everything? And it's too boring. You know, and then she said, oh, I want this, that. I said, if it's too easy, then there's no, there's no I, try, I know she's too young to understand his lessons, but it's true. If you, um, you know, here's, here's an example. People who are multi-millionaires, financially independent, you know, or born into it, right? There's no challenge to do anything. There's no impetus. And then they have to create hardship for themselves somewhere else to, or create... Well, they end up mentally fucked, don't they? Yeah, they, they have to... I, I know one woman, I don't know, I know her, her husband, they're divorced, um, born into an art family in Germany. She, she um, you know, ultra-wealthy family, he took her surname. And sure. she had all this wealth, and she had kids and everything, and she, she gave it all up and just went to live in ashrams in India. Sure. I don't think she gave up the wealth, but she, you know, she went and put herself into poverty to do yoga and shit rather than um, you know all the trappings and stuff just having things too easy yeah sure so competition gives you I mean I mean life for, for a lot of for, I mean for a lot of the people who we work with the, the, yeah there's challenges right there's hardships but in terms of physicality life is fairly comfortable fairly soft, you know, we're not in any immediate danger, <clears throat> you know, we're not um, physically challenged, we, we create hardship in the gym. Because it prepares us, yeah, and it also prepares us for real life. Um, Dolph told me this morning, it was actually really nice, it's like we train hard um, every day because tomorrow might be a, like a bigger war. And I thought that was really beautiful. Like Dolph going onto the battlefield? No, <laughs> it was just, I think it was like some Socrates quote or something okay, like right. that. Oh yeah, you know, like the the whole train hard fight easy philosophy. Yeah, and it was quite nice. Yeah. It helps. I mean, you know, of course, I believe in the value of strength training. It helps to be strong, so you don't know when you're going to need that strength. You know, carrying shit, picking up shit. You know, it helps. Moving house. Moving house. It, it, I mean, I don't hate. <laughs> it's it's also cliched, but it helps to just be stronger. Being weak is crap. Yeah. And that's why. So many people see the value in training and stuff. The competition just gives you a little bit of extra edge. It gives you a little bit of, oh, you know, 
and it's a cool accolade to have like you you'll get a cool participation medal or if you do really well you get placed and that's nice like you get to say you did that and you're a part of that whole journey which is fun i'm not a fan of participation medals right but it's you know especially and also i'm not a fan of medals if there's only like two people and you get silver right? <laughs> uh, yeah i suppose if it's a big comp then yeah but you know, I'm not a fan of part and this country does a lot of participation oh, yeah. and stuff, and I get why they do it, but I personally don't like participation trophies and stuff. Some people are really going for that. They want it's the same as a you know, people do a business course and they want a certification. Like you could get the knowledge and go and use that to go make money, you don't need a certificate. Yeah, but people I want a piece of paper because I don't know. It just it kind of shows you that it's like your work has been accredited by like a body or something like that. Yeah. But I, I just, I think... But what if the body's full of shit? Yeah. Like, for example, you were studying with the ETA, right? <laughs> and then you, you jacked in and cancelled it. Yeah. Yeah? They could have given you... Uh, what's the name of the title you would have got? What's the name of the qualification? I can't even remember, man. <laughs> exactly. That's how valuable it is, right? You could have got that and you'd, it would still be worth shit. Yeah, there's guys that I know that finished and then they're working at like... Not to say Virgin Active is a bad place to work, but no, they're no. just they're just not doing well for themselves at all. And well, they got the accolade, they got the, the qualification, but they're still stupid. Yeah. Because the qualifying body kept them stupid. Gave and it, them shit. it didn't give them anything of value that they could use, like for marketing and or like to get oh, their yeah, own yeah. business going, and that's what they needed. It just yeah. needs to be done properly, like. Yeah, and even and even on the training side of things, I've got big fucking concerns but yeah anyway. um so yeah that's that's competing it, it gives you an edge it gives you and it, you know it's, it's it feels pretty badass and it's a so cool social dynamic having a badass team and then just going out to lift because that's it's cool yeah and it's it's a, it's a very nice social thing for the for the lifters themselves as a as a gym, as a group, it's a community. You build a little team, and it, it feels good to go out there and help each other, and you know, help in the warm-up room, and go out there. Is it at the same place that it was at last time? I think it's at a different venue. I think there's a, still think, like warehouse vibes. Uh, I don't know for sure. I think it might be a leisure center of sorts or something, but the details are in the email I just put out. And, oh yeah, cool. Yeah. Epic Active, Epic, Epic. Active Center, something uh, like that. Somewhere I, in Brockville. I know the logo. I've seen the logo before. Okay, yeah, it's in Brockville somewhere, somewhere in North. It's like a weird squashed man with like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's good too. Looks similar to that like mosaic yeah. thing. The mosaic that no one can see because we're on audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look um, over there. Look <laughs> over there, guys. <laughs> right, uh, we'll wrap this one up. That's a brief overview to compete in. Um, Join us next time I on hope, the next episode I with hope Murray. The audio was good. Yeah, we'll talk to Murray hopefully soon if he can get his training done in time. Which he should because we're not here, we're not in the gym talking to him like yesterday where his uh, training took four and a half hours. <laughs> that was right. really funny. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. I hope the audio is good this time.